How y'all doing this uh, morning, afternoon-ish? How y'all doing? Oh, y'all can do better now. How y'all doing? How many of y'all glad to gather with the saints today? Get it in. The great mighty God. That's what's up. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm glad uh, to be here. Um, it is a wonderful feeling um, to see uh, what the Lord is doing among you. I feel so Pauline today. In so many ways, because I remember when um, many of you may not know, but um, stuff like this happening is a really a 16-year-old a, a vision um, that God had given us. My wife and I, my wife was here with me, uh, to see churches planted in needy areas where um, we would say the church needs to amp up its witness to be able to engage lost people and uh, to be able to reach what we would call the D-church those who may have been to church but have fell back from it and want to be re-engaged with it. So to see all that the great and mighty God is doing with all of you here on this type of block and um, just getting it in and walking upstairs to, uh, to be able to hear the word of God and to be able to not just gather on Sundays but scatter throughout the week to be beast in the areas that God has called you to be a beast in. No matter whether you're in the arts, whether you're in, uh, 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 you know, in, 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 in business, uh, whether you are in the social sciences or uh, health industry, whatever industry, or you're a business owner, um, God has called you to gather here to go out there to beast out his glory where you live and dwell. And so we thank God for us. Where we thank God for Brandon and Ty. Let's give God a hand praise for them, all of their commitment. And um, also all those who serve. Let's give God a hand praise for them, all of those who serve. It's amazing. Yeah, um, I know that um, know that many times when you start churches in this generation, it can be a low honor culture. But don't let anybody out honor the one who God has given you to be your leader so that they can feel like their hands are being held up by you. So that if they go out there and catch all kinds of hell, they don't come in here and catch that. So, again, uh, honor the Lord God for your pastor, um, Pastor Brandon Watts and Ty. Thank God for them. All right, let's dig in. Um, how I do it, Epiphany, we stand to our feet when it's time for the word. Let's stand up. Let's uh, stand to our feet. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. That's what we're going to be today. Um, that's what we're going to be today for our time. When you get there, say amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. All right. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter no judgment. We'll wait on you. No judgment at all. No judgment. Nobody's in a race to make you look weird because you got to find it. All right. All right. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 6. If you have the ESV version, why don't you read with me? Start at verse 1. 1, 2, 3. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. You keep going. Yeah. 
Amen. Um, for our time together, for this brief time, I'd like to get in this text and talk about fighting the right battles. Fighting the right battles. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we honor you and thank you for the might of the gospel that gives us the tenacity and audacity uh, to be warriors for your glory, both men and women. And God, I pray that you would help us to learn what that means practically, uh, spiritually, comprehensively, so that we can walk in uh, being and battling in a way that honors you and that brings comprehensive shalom and change. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer, who we trust in, help us not to just be hearers under deception, but help us to be effectual doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, in uh. We, um, I, I, I used to go to a spot. I grew up in D.C., Washington, D.C. I'm a D.C. boy. And um, we used to go to a spot and play basketball called Friendship Heights. It was in a nicer neighborhood. We, in the 80s, we didn't have to worry about gunshots um, coming off and popping off over there because, you know, um, it, was, it, was, it was well protected and it was a nice spot. And so we'd go through and we'd play ball. And um, I got on the court and we played full court. And so, you know, this is my first, this is one of my first times out there playing full court as a young buck. And as we began getting out there playing ball, I got the ball and I, I nobody was checking me. So I was like, it's a, I'm about to, I'm about to go berserk in the way I'm about to put this in the basket. The way I'm, cause the way I'm about to go down here, nobody on me. I'm going down. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Cacaoisms and going like that. You understand what I mean? I was doing my little thing before there was and one and hot sauce and all of them. I was getting mine, right? So all of a sudden I put in the bass and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And everybody's standing there looking at me like this. I'm like, why y'all looking at me? And everybody was like, dummy, that's the wrong basket. <laughs> in other words, I scored for the other team. And, um, what's interesting is sometimes in the Christian life, we can be drumming up our skills and puffing ourselves up and not realizing that we're fighting for the other team. Um, when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has called you uh, to fight with the jersey of Christ's glory. And in fighting with the jersey of Christ's glory, you're, you're called to reflect and honor his name. I know in marriage, I've been married, we'll be celebrating 19 years on Tuesday. Um, amen. 19 years. And, um, you know, my wife is going through chemo right now, cancer and stuff going on. And, you know, doing that, and we've been through all kinds of stuff. I mean, we've seen all kinds of seasons. And so it's interesting that many times you, you, you marry the person you love. Y'all supposed to be sit out together. Y'all supposed to be ride or die. But what can happen sometimes is the enemy loves to come after marriages. Somebody should say amen real loud right there. And, and, and so what can happen in marriage or in any relationship, what can happen is you end up fighting each other more than you fight the enemy. And not realizing that, man, yo, we on the same squad. So why in the world are we fighting each other when God has placed us together as warriors to ferociously be committed to him? In other words, in, in, in this life, you, you have to recognize that you have to fight on the team with the people of God for the glory of God to move the mission of God forward for his namesake, for his might, and for his praise. And I'm hoping in this generation, I got a passion for millennials. I have a, an unduly passion because I believe that everything out here is trying to dupe you in fighting for the enemy versus fighting for the Lord God Almighty. And so today, as we dig into what I believe is a systemic text, 
I believe this text is systemic uh, in helping people to fight the right battles in your life because God has given you the footing that you need to be able to move forward. So we're in 2 Corinthians, and uh, 2 Corinthians is an interesting book because the Corinthian church was a, a highfalutin church. You know, they would have been in Tribeca. That, that's where they would have been. They would have been, you know, like Jay-Z talking about, I'm in my Tribeca loft. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, they were the highfalutin sort of uh, 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 you know, market area like, they, I mean, they were on some flyness. I mean, they probably, if they were today, they would have had uh, VIP seating, um, that type of church. They would have been the type of because they were spiritually immature, so they thought they could bring their flyness in the world into the church and nobody was equal, but they, those who were middle upper class was on their beast out ministry, you know, so they'd have had, you know, you know, what you call them, think valet service, they'd have had all of that, you know, that's what the type of church it was. So Paul began challenging them about the depths of their spiritual immaturity. And as he began engaging them, he began getting in different areas of their life to challenge them, to help them to go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Um, and, so, and so in 1 Corinthians, we see he, he begins engaging them about that reality. 2 Corinthians, he does a follow-up letter to see how they're doing. But when he gets, by the time he gets to chapter 10, what he begins to do to help them, to frame them, to develop them, is beginning to talk about what is at the core of your spiritual immaturity. In other words, he does more than get to the point. He hits it a dot at the center. And so in this passage, we're going to see the framing of him helping the Corinthians, not the fight battles that are blown up in the world, but begin to engage it in a way where the people of God are not off track to what he's called them to do. So first point, first point only, I believe I got one point. If I got another point, I'll mention it, but I think I got one point. Uh, fighting the right battles involves using divinely empowered weapons. Fighting the right battle involves, involves using divinely empowered. Somebody say divinely empowered. Divinely. Yeah, divinely empowered weapons. And so Paul um, goes through here and he says in verse 1, he says, I, Paul myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ I who am humble when face to face with you but bold toward you when I'm away so what he does is he had left Corinth he was going to come back one day and the Corinthians had some cats come in after Paul had walked with them for a little while nurtured them and developed them after he led them to Christ dip these cats came in started rolling in started proclaiming false doctrine right and so they began saying, man, Paul, Paul's sort of a sucker. Um, you know, when he, at, when he in your face, he like talk all soft, all meek, mild type dude. Then he get on social media sending these letters. You understand what I'm saying? He get up in the news feed and now he's some type of beast. You know what I'm saying? Like putting all type. So they're, they're looking at him like, 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 like he, he, he's playing on words because what's interesting is this goes back to Matthew when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So he, he's basically saying, you know, the one y'all call meek and gentle when I'm not around, like I'm the dude that's not acting right when y'all are not around. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm the same dude when I'm not there as when I am there. But they had been pulled back because he began engaging them about this reality. He says, look what he says next. He begins saying next, he says, I who am humble face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. Verse 2, he says, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. 
And so what he's beginning to do is he's trying to reestablish, let me build a foundation of his apostolic identity among them because them not walking with him in his identity as one who brings the gospel to them, but then fall back and let these other dudes come in, bring in some whackness and some whack philosophies of life will begin to draw them away from their core commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not that he's trying to be prideful merely to get a voice with them. He's trying to keep them on the same track of their commitment to the glory of Christ that supersedes him. Let me give you something for free. You know you got a good shepherd. You know you got a good leader when their commitment to you is bigger than your commitment to them. Because the commitment that a believer has to the church, the commitment the believer has to Christ must connect to leadership, but it must supersede it if you're going to survive. And the way you survive is being connected to leadership in a local community that is healthy, that's preaching and proclaiming the beauty and glory and centrality of Christ, not people up on highfalutin pedestals being carried around on chariots and exalted and people shining their shoes. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that punk Christianity. We're talking about that real Christianity, that grimy Christianity, that New Testament Christianity, that prophetic Christianity, not that pathetic Christianity where everything is built around the leader and not Jesus Christ. See some, see, some folk came in here. See, some folk came in here and they wanted stuff built around them. Now, the Corinthians like that because they like stuff built around them. In other words, the leadership that you seek out is a reflection of your own spiritual maturity. Oh, I, oh somebody should have said amen right there. I know y'all not going to talk back, but I, I'm just letting you know right now, whatever you see bad in leadership might be a reflection of the soul magnetisms of immaturity that you have in yourself. And so, and so now what Paul is trying to do is he said, no, 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 no. This is not how we roll as Christians. And so now we got to begin. He said, but I, I know what y'all are saying. Look what he says in the last part of the verse. He says, a bunch of y'all that really suspect me of walking according to the flesh. This is a powerful word here, this word flesh. Somebody say flesh. flesh. What's interesting here, this, this idea for flesh here isn't what you think it is. Flesh here doesn't represent necessarily your body. Flesh here represents the influence of the cosmos. In other words, when, when, when you were born, the Bible says you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, right? Uh, um, but David says, I was conceived in the womb with sin. So there is no innocent person born. In other words, when, when, when the fall happened, Adam and Eve jacked everything up. Everything. I mean, the weather jacked up. Agriculture jacked up. Relationships jacked up, singleness jacked up, money jacked up, everything jacked up. But the greatest thing that was jacked up is the connection between God and man. That's the greatest thing. And so the flesh now is the manipulating tactic that the enemy uses to get you more connected to the world than it does Christ. And so this idea of the flesh, he said, walking according to the flesh really is a mindset. Somebody say mindset. See, fleshliness is a mindset, not necessarily, it uses the body, but it is a mental, a spiritual mental deficiency that the enemy uses to attract you and nurture you according to his will versus God's will. When you were not a believer, when you did not know Jesus Christ as your savior, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, verses uh, two, uh, chapter two, uh, chapter two, rather, verse one through three, that we couldn't help but be spiritually molested by the devil. And we were dead in our trespasses sins. That's why you can't do nothing to save yourself. If the Lord doesn't open your eyes to see the gospel, family, you won't see that, John. 
And so, and so, and so what's crazy here is he said, y'all are blaming me for walking according to the flesh. But their, their judgment, stay with me because it's all built on the foundation. This judgment of them saying he's walking in the flesh is a way to justify their fleshliness. And so, and so, and so Paul, Paul took offense to that. And so he wants to go big picture to help them to recognize the fact that he doesn't walk in the flesh. Look at verse three. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, plays on words, walk in a human body, he says, or in the realm, rather, where Satan's influence is. Let me, oh, God help me. Let me pause there. That's, that's good. Um, see, 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 you don't recognize that you walk in the realm of Satan's influence. The question is not whether you walk in the realm of his influence. The question is, do you submit to his influence? That's why Jesus told his disciples, I, 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 didn't, I didn't call you to be isolated. I just called you to go out there and be insulated. <laughs> That's John 17. So what happens is, is he says, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, 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 now I know in this woke culture, we don't, you know, you, you don't need to be sheep. But being sheep to God is a good thing. Not being sheep to foolishness or white supremacy or our culture or our government is bad. Somebody should have said amen real loud right there. <laughs> And so, and, so, and so we're not talking about being a sheep in the sense of being led astray. We're talking about this idea. I send you as people guided by me that are going to have people or things coming after you to deter you from looking like me. So when Paul says, we, we, you know, we don't walk, we, we, although we walk in the flesh, we walk in the sphere of satanic influence on your job, whether you like it or not. What you're dealing with, listen, is not your boss. If you're a boss, what you're dealing with with your frustrations is not your employees. The Bible talks about the fact we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of wickedness in the high places. So if you don't recognize that in the midst of the struggle and the frustration of being here on planet Earth, if you point it at people only, you have demeaned the battlefield. And so that's why he said, he said, he said, we walk in the flesh. We're around a mess. Like no matter how, like, listen, you can buy one of these eight, eight point five million dollar spots. Beautiful as, you know, gut the joint all up. Get HGTV to come up in there. Smoke that joint out real nice. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know the decorum and gorgeousness and beautifulness? And you know, they're like this, and the dude come over and they doing like this and setting stuff up and they can they can decorate, but you're still in a fleshly world. No matter how much you decorate this world until Jesus Christ comes back, it's just a decorated mess. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a, so that don't mean don't beautify things, but I'm just letting you know, no matter how good you make yourself look, no matter how beautiful your natural hair is, no matter how, no, no matter how good your outfit is, you can go down to Soho and buy everything up real, real nice. You can get a stylist, you can get it tailored, but at the end of the day, until you get your new body, you're just dressed up dirt. <laughs> So although we walk in the flesh, we walk in a realm of demonic, structural, systemic, broken influence. It says, we don't wage war that way, though. He says, no, we, we, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Now, I know that some of us are still growing in our sanctification process. You know, so in growing in your sanctification process, somebody touch you the wrong way, somebody say something to you the wrong way. 
You got some words for them. You understand what I'm saying? Some of y'all still on your curse ministry. Amen. <laughs> oh, don't look at me funny. Y'all know how y'all do. Oh, some of y'all got that residue ministry that's just itching on you. Like, say some of you have grown a little bit more, but you still fleshly communicated. You know, if I was back in the day, I would have smacked you. You know that, right? <laughs> I'd have broke your neck. You know, rear naked choke, arm bar, I'd have tore you up. But you know, I'm a Christian now, huh? and I love the Lord. But if I was in that space again, if I was in that mindset again, I'd have tore you up. But praise be to God, I'm different. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? You just, it's kind of your, your carnal yet mature way of letting them know that they can get these hands. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's, that's all that is, right? So, 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 so in other words, I mean, I mean, no matter what you think, I mean, but, but he says we don't walk according to the flesh. We don't wage war. <coughs> I like the fact that he identified it as a war. It's a war. Meaning that it is a fight. Oh, God, help me. You are not going to be in a fight for a little while. <clears throat> as long, see, see, when you are a non-believer, you didn't know you were in a fight. <laughs> but when you trusted Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, your life felt better when you were a non-Christian. <clears throat> Some of y'all hell didn't start breaking loose until you became a believer. They're like, dang, why? Now that I'm a believer, all this craziness, you know why? Because you didn't know there was a war going on. And so the war wasn't directed at you overtly. It was covert. But now that you've become a Christian, listen, family, now you're like, wow, what was that? What in the world just hit me? You understand what I'm saying? Everything starts going wrong because the enemy, you have now become Satan's enemy. You was, you was Satan's ace back in the day. You didn't know it. Y'all was cool pounding each other up spiritually. Now that you, he calling you a traitor. When you become a Christian, you become a traitor to him. And so when we look at this passage, and Paul says, like, like, like the weapons of our warfare, they are not of the flesh. Or we're not waging war. I want to get ahead of myself. We're not waging war according to the flesh. And so this idea of flesh goes back to some ideas. This is how you know some stuff is fleshy. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through about the 20th verse, it says, now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, <clears throat> fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I know what I like about that? Paul said, I ain't even got to name everything. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole bunch of stuff like this. You know, this is, you know, you know you waging war according to the flesh if you're in a relationship with somebody, you know, and you broke up with them and they get with somebody else. I know that hasn't happened to anybody in here. <clears throat> and you see them at streets or somewhere, or you see them in Times Square, and they look happy. You understand what I'm saying? Some of y'all like, Pastor, you're hitting home now. Um, <clears throat> and then, and then, you, then you find out where they're going to be, and you take somebody, they, so you can see the fineness of them, and they see you with them. And so you utilize the fineness of the person you're with. You don't really care about that person, but you're just using that person as a means to make the other person jealous. I know ain't nobody in here ever did that. But that's called waging war according to the flesh. <laughs> but I know people in here because y'all are spiritual and all grown up. <clears throat> and I know no one deals with struggles like that in the mighty name of Jesus. So look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Look what he says. He says, this, this, this gets good right here because now we get to frame this thing. He says, for the weapons of our warfare 
are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Somebody say divine power. Now, when we talk about these weapons, and I'm going to talk about them at the end, the idea of these weapons go back to the day you got saved. The day you got saved, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, seeing that his divine power has given us everything for life and godliness. That is the boominous scripture in the Bible. You know why? <clears throat> because when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, God downloaded on your hard drive everything you needed to be a believer. So, so, so that's why <coughs> you, you, you stop asking God for stuff he's already gave you. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Listen, don't ask God for joy. The Bible says it's already yours because it's part of the fruit. Don't ask God for, for patience because you already got that at salvation. Don't ask God for peace. He's already given to you. See, what the enemy tries to do, help me today, God, is he, try, he, he can't steal your joy. Because it's in you. He can't steal your peace. I know artistically what's meant by that. <laughs> but what he likes to do is shield you from what you have access to. So, so what he wants to do is he wants to make you think it doesn't exist. So that you won't go get it. And I'm going to show you in a second how to go get all of that. And you're so, but, <laughs> but it's interesting in the passage that he says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So because it's not of the flesh, <clears throat> that means we don't operate based on the flesh no more. So that means you need to wave to that sucker bye-bye. You need to chuck the deuces at the flesh. Somebody should put their fingers up like this. Hold your fingers up in the air real, real high and say, flesh, flesh. holler. That's, 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 that's what you need to do. Then that's what you need to do. You need to tell the flesh, I'll holler at you later. And so, so I mean, you can't use Smith & Wesson no more, sweet street sweepers and all that type of stuff. Some of y'all that went over your head, I'm sorry. That's old Brooklyn. This is new Brooklyn. My bad. Um, somebody catch it on the way home. Um, for the destruction or for the demolition of strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. <clears throat> so the weapons of your warfare that God has given you is for the purpose of destroying strongholds. <clears throat> now the question on the floor is, what is a stronghold? You should write this down somewhere. Um, a stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. So, so, so where do I see that in the passage? He said destroying every argument. Look, look what he says. He says... Uh, he said, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion. So here, most of us think of a stronghold as pornography. Pornography ain't a stronghold. Sexual promiscuity ain't no stronghold. Pride is not a stronghold. In, in other words, <clears throat> strong, the stronghold isn't the thing you do. It's the mindset that makes you think you can do it. <clears throat> see, 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 that's the scary thing. See, see, the mindset and the structure within you, it's, it's just like this. When, it, when a dude is smashing a bunch of chicks, can I be real in here? Or when a girl is promiscuous, wilding out. Sexuality isn't their issue. The issue is the enemy plugs into your mind, God ain't got a, God's sexuality is boring. God says, so what you begin to believe is you believe that the enemy has better than God. So the mindset structurally gets into you 
which is for the devil, it's not just about the sexuality. It's about you glorifying God holistically. So what he does is he dupes you into accepting. Now, see, this is the funny thing. Many of us know the theology in the Bible about sexual promiscuity. The problem is, is it being planted, which we'll come back to that in a second. But what happens is, is when you have unbelieving belief systems, that's what strongholds are. Unbelieving belief systems that structurally and functionally, stubbornly fights against God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things. Every one of us had it. If you got molested and you didn't deal with it, you're going to have a stronghold there. If you got raped and you didn't deal with that issue, you're going to have a multiplicity of strong. If you got daddy issues, if you got mama issues, if you got family issues, all what happens is, is if you don't allow God to redeem those dark places in your life of brokenness in order to cope, you have to create things in your mind that are unbiblical, but that help you to move on, that really doesn't help you to move on, you're still where you are. And, and, and let me just tell you this. The, the, your thoughts are not your friend. Because that's the enemy that's in me. It, it's, and, so, and so what has to happen with us is we have to begin to look at the fact from our lives in every single area of our lives, the challenges and the brokenness in our life that we're going to do. What's your stronghold today? What's your, what's a stubborn mindset in you? Now you, you're going to look at me funny, but half of us, if not all of us in here are stubborn. Now I'm talking to myself. See, I ain't, just cause I'm up at this podium, I'm a mess in process too. Okay. All of us are a mess in process. Now you can act like you're not because you're cute and you fly and you're cool, but I'm just letting you know right now that all of us have issues that need redemption. Every last one of us. And the key, that's what David says in Psalm 51. He said, you desire truth in the inward part. Because, because he wanted God to go to the darkest places of his life and began to do a visitation in his soul so that he can open up every single thing that is a problem for his development and for his work. I remember when we um, first bought our building at, at Epiphany Fellowship right there by Temple University. And um, we had an exterminator come in. And exterminator was like, Pastor, you said, I'm just, since you're going to have to open up everything, because y'all got to understand, we had bats. We had rats. We had mice. They had one door. He just opened it. All you heard was shh. Just like some of y'all skin crawling already, right? We had all types of stuff in there. He said, Pastor, y'all got to open up every door in this mug. I said, why? He said, man, because if you don't open up everything, when I exterminate these parts, the other parts that are closed that got stuff in it will recontaminate what I've cleaned out. God is calling you to open up every area of your life so that you can get free in every single area of your life. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be transformed. He wants you to be challenged. He wants you to be strengthened because God wants, see, like we feel like God, like getting in our grill is like him hating us. Like, but God actually challenging you, convicting you and messing with your mess is the greatest thing that he can ever do. See, people that, people that don't love you, let you be the same. See, the people in your life that don't never tell you about yourself, they don't love you because they want you to remain the same. The beauty of God is he doesn't want you to remain the same. He's committed to you on steroids. And so that's why Paul begins to walk through this reality of saying, like, we destroy every argument. Because, you know, you argue with yourself, right? You're like this. <laughs> you remember on Martin's show? That's my guilty pleasure. 
When he'd be talking to himself at Jerome, he'd be like, nah, 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 nah. like that. Y'all remember that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that part. Um, that's self-argumentation. That's how we do. We argue with ourselves, like, if I do this, and we go on like that. And, no, no, no. The Bible says we destroy that. We just go smash ministry, right? Arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So, so what happens is, is you know something is a stronghold when it gets more thought space than Jesus. That, that's how you know something in your life is a stronghold. <coughs> when, it, when, when it gets more thought space than the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that you're in the midst of a stronghold. And so he said, we destroy those. Listen to what he says, though. He said, we destroy them, right? Uh, everything raised against knowledge of God and take thought captive. So we do two things. We destroy them. And we take them captive. Now, this is key. Uh, 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 you destroy, that means to abolish or demolish, right? Gut it. And take every thought captive. What I like about this is that captive gives you, this is war terminology, remember that. So when you go in to fight a war, my, you know, my father was a World War II vet, Korean War vet, Buffalo soldier. <clears throat> when, when you go into battle, you can't just go in and take captives. Before you can take captives, you got to fight some stuff first. See, some of y'all, in order to take your thought captive, you got to fight some stuff first. Some of y'all got to fight some old memories. Some of y'all got to fight some old experiences. Some of y'all got to fight some exes in your mind. It's okay. Y'all don't have to talk back. I know I'm telling the truth. You got to fight some family memories. You got to fight some brokenness. And once those things in your mind, it doesn't matter where the submit's out here. It has to submit here first. If it doesn't submit here and here, then once it is, you lasso that mug and take it captive. That means your thoughts need to be a prisoner of war in your soul. <laughs> you need to take that thing prisoner and not lock it up, but decimate it. And when you begin to be at that point, then you have to be desperate enough. See, some of y'all need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and get to the point in your life where, man, I am going to deal with everything in my life that the Lord wants me to deal with. I want to be so free. I don't care if I return to my pain. I want to get through my pain. You got to fight. And listen, that's why you got to be ready. It says... Be ready to punish everything that's disobedient in your life. Uh, everything in your life that is disobedient, you got to be ready. I mean, that, that sense of urgency. You got to have urgency, but I'm going to deal with it tomorrow. I'm going to deal with it. No, that's urgent, right? He says, he says, interestingly enough, he says, when your obedience is complete. So what will happen is, is when your obedience is complete is when you begin to deal with the stronghold itself, then you're able you're able to experience being ready to punish every single thing. Now, now anything that comes towards you, you're ready to punish it. You know what I'm saying? You're standing on the outskirts of your mind like, I dare you come over here, mindset. I will smash you. All of what I got right now, all I done been through, I don't need nothing else. I'm going to tear anything up that gets on the borders of my heart and mind. You got to be to that point. And that's for men and women. That's not just a masculine thing. Ladies, you call to be warriors too. But, but, but let's look at how we war. It's interesting. What are some of our weapons? Some of the weapons of our warfare practically, what does that look like? First, we must go and recognize that we must be saved first before you can fight. But then from there, you got to pray. Okay, I know that's simple. But most of us, you know, I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand, struggle with prayer. The reason why you struggle with prayer is because 
prayer takes work. Prayer takes work. But we don't recognize that prayer is one of the main mechanisms that God uses to destroy strongholds. That's, that's why Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane asked his boys, can you pray with me? And in the midst of prayer, he says, he, he, said, he says, Lord, let this cup pass. Lord, let this cup pass. So you see the Lord Jesus Christ wanting to let the cup of wrath that he's about to drink up and lick the bowl of pass. But he says, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, in the midst of prayer, God aligns him with his will. You have to recognize this. Prayer is not the dictation of your will to God, but it's your alignment with his. And so if you don't recognize that that's how you get in the will of God is by prayer bring the process by through your communication, God aligns you with his will. It's extremely powerful. There's some stuff in your life that won't happen until you pray. Come here, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat had a bunch of, of five. He had three, two, three, four kingdoms coming after him. Now, if I was Jehoshaphat, I would have rallied the troops and we'd have got our swords, spears, gats, whatever, and we'd have went for battle. But that's not what Jehoshaphat did. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat hit his knees. And when Jehoshaphat hit his knees, God, God stopped him from praying at a certain point. He said he prayed all day. And the Bible says, you ain't got to pray no more. This battle ain't yours. It's mine. And God took, for, took care of on, more on Jehoshaphat's knees than Jehoshaphat could have ever done standing up. And there's some ways in which you got to grasp and hold on to the weapons of your warfare. Another one is the Bible. That means you have to begin having a mind-renewed mindset. The, the, Bible, the Bible says that the devil came to Jesus and says, yo, turn them stones up. I mean, you God. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you spoke stuff into existence. Tell that stone to become bread. And Jesus, he didn't say, devil, I rebuke you. Devil, I come against you. I stand and notice. He didn't say none of that. He didn't use a word from himself. He says, man shall not live on bread alone. See, some of y'all talk too much to the devil. Devil, I rebuke you. Devil, I see your notice. That ain't what Jesus did. Jesus rebuked by just opening up his word in his heart and saying, listen, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. That's what your life needs to be filled with. You have to have some pocket Bible in your soul to fight the mess that you're going through. I know some of us may think being in the world, word is corny, but I pray that God gives you a, a, a ferocious commitment to implanting the word. Why? Because James 1.21 says, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. That means it's able to grow you and deal with the mess that is around you. Last but not least, and I promise I'm out your way. Um, 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 the last one is the one that healthy churches need to take back. We already saw, saw prayer, and we saw Bible, but the last thing you need to learn is a weapon is praise. Oh, Lord. See, I know y'all are quiet, church, and, and I'm, but, but, you know, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, Koji brothers and sisters, understand this better than we do. I know y'all like gospel-centered worship and a monotone word every now and then, but every now and then, you need a praise break. Okay, y'all looking at me real funny, but that's okay. So I'm going to give you some examples because y'all looking at me like I'm funny. Um, God told them to take over the, 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 uh, Jericho. Now, God said, listen, I know y'all going to look stupid, but for seven days, I want you to walk around this junk. Don't say nothing. Just walk around. Just walk around for seven, seven times for seven days. Just walk around seven times. For seven days. And then on the last day, you walk around and then stand still. Hold up a box with poles in it called the Ark of the Covenant. That looks crazy. 
No weapons. I mean, Archer's first day was like this. Yo, what y'all coming up to the wall for? And then they probably started singing the songs with him after that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't know what's going on. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Last day, last day, they stood there. And the God said, I want you on the last day to give me a praise. And they, all they did was they had the Ark of the Covenant. They had some trumpets. And they had the fruit of their lips. And I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says that when they began to Shabbat to the Lord, y'all not going to talk back to me. It's okay. You need to upgrade your atmosphere because if you knew what praise does, if you knew the work that praise could get done, it said when they began to yell, the walls could not take the praise that they were giving to God to the point that the walls came tumbling down. Y'all still looking at me funny. And y'all still like, oh, Pastor, you don't know what in the world you're talking about. Well, 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 let's go. Paul and Silas got put in prison one time. And let me explain something to you. They were underground in a prison with rats, feces, and urine because they didn't have toilets. Now, they could have complained about their circumstances. See what serving the Lord gets you? See the mess that we in? Ain't you frustrated? Nah. The Bible says that Paul and Silas started singing praises to God. They started praying and singing praises to God. I I like this. The the, the reason why that's beautiful is they didn't let the darkness of their circumstances make them turn off the fact that they're in a war. Some of y'all looking at me funny because you're like, I'm not wired that way. I wasn't raised that way. There's no there's no there's no Myers-Briggs in the Bible. Help me today. There's no disc assessment in the Bible. They're only worshipers and missionaries who are transformed by the renewing power of the gospel. And my Bible says that when they began to pray and sing praises under God, the Bible says that an earthquake happened. And the very thing that they were in that was holding them back, the very thing that had them on lockdown, the very thing that they were in a challenge had to respond. And the Bible says, listen, that the doors of the prison began to open up. There's some stuff in your life that's not going to open up until you decide that you're going to give God the fruit of your lips. Some of y'all ain't get it yet. Some of y'all are sitting there like God has never done anything before you. Some of y'all are acting like God isn't a way maker. Some of y'all act like he hasn't given you the victory. Some of y'all acting like he hasn't set free. But I wish I was in an old church. I would say, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy Today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Joy today is mine. Y'all still looking at me funny. Peace is mine. Peace is mine. Peace today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Peace today is mine. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We have the victory. Oh, God, help me today. When I was sinking deep in sin, Far from the peaceful shore, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry. And from the waters, he lifted me. Let me tell you something. Grandma and them understood some stuff we didn't understand. How could she go through too much and survive slavery? How could she survive Jim Crow and black codes? 
It wasn't some mystical crutch called Christianity, but it was a God who she knew could deliver. And little did you know, while she was cooking grits and frying chicken, she was going to war. Some of you all are sitting here because somebody went to war for you. Every head bow, every eye closed. Every head bow, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and don't recognize that Christ died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for your sins. God had a beef with man. And in God having a beef with man, it's powerful is that instead of just throwing us away <laughs> and putting us under his wrath in hell forever, it's beautiful what God did. It's beastly. He sent his son to live the life we could never live and to die the death we could never die. And on the cross, God poured out his anger towards our sin on Jesus. On the third day, raised him from the grave. If that's you here today and you want to put your confidence in Christ for the first time, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Slip your hand in the air, hold it in the air. We'd love to talk to you about the Christ. Anyone here today says, yeah, I need to put my confidence and my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I see the hand. I see the hand right here. I see the hand right here. Anyone else want to put their confidence in Christ? Want to make sure someone talks to this young lady? Thank you for that. Slipping your hand in the air. Slipping your hand in the air. Yeah. That's what's up. Putting your confidence in Jesus Christ. Best decision in your life you can make is to go before the Lord and place your confidence in him. Last but not least, if you're a believer, you know you're dealing with God walked up your street and talked to you today about you facing the need to fight what you're dealing with and the brokenness of your circumstances that he was calling you and pushing you to deal with. If that's you today, stand up. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you for jumping up, brother. Thank you for your boldness. Come right up here to the front. I'd love to pray for you guys. You're saying, yes, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff. Y'all come on up. I would love to pray for y'all. Anyone, anyone says, I want to, I, I want to, I'm a believer. I know Christ is my savior, but I want to come in as close as you can so everybody can come in who wants to come. If you're struggling, that's how you know you need to come forward. If you're resting, no, 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 it's no, no embarrassment. Nobody looking. It's between you and the Lord. For you to deal with some key areas of your life where maybe you're here and you've given up on the Lord. Maybe here you have been in a constant bondage. Thank you all for popping up. I see you all popping up. Thank you all for saying, yo, man, I want to I wanna, I wanna deal with my stuff. I want Christ to deal with my stuff. Thank you all for coming. I see you, brother. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for coming. Yeah, yeah, anybody else? Thank you for jumping up, sis. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest and straight up. Saying, yes, I got some stuff.